0: Good morning, ladies. I'm going to put this up here. Um, Thank you for being here. What a joy it is um, to be here today with all of you. Um, And just to start a new season together and have this lovely event where we can look to God's word. The purpose of today's event is to motivate all of us um, to understand God's purposes and to apply his truth into our lives so that we may live worthy of our calling develop steadfast faith, and glorify our Lord in all that we do. I'd love to begin our time by reading 2 Peter 1, 5-13. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness. having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be, richly provided for you, an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. Paul's determination to remind the saints of God's way of living and encourage them to practice godly qualities is also our determination today. We want to stir you up in the faith and inspire you to have a resolve in your hearts to prioritize your growth and godliness so that you may be effective and fruitful for his name's sake. Before we can consider how to live a Christian life in response to our three topics, discipline, decision-making, and disappointments, we need to first recognize who we are in the Lord and what he's done for us. It all starts with a proper look at the precious grace of salvation, our union with our Lord. So let's briefly take a look at the main characteristics of this union. I've grouped them as the five C's. The first C is covenant with Christ. Once upon a time, we were lost, far from God, spiritually blind, and deaf and unable to understand. But now we are found brought near to God, having the scales of our eyes removed with the ability to hear his voice and comprehend his word by the enlightening of the Holy Spirit. As a redeemed sinner, we profess, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me, Galatians 2.20. This covenant relationship with Christ signifies our identity in him, and it means we cherish his lordship. Next, we have commitment. Having this covenant means when we placed our trust in the Lord, we responded with the heart of repentance by turning away from sin and turning towards Jesus in faith, committed to loving him by obeying him. We must constantly recall the words of our Lord Jesus, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, John 14, 15. Third is conformity to Christlikeness. Jesus didn't save us to leave us as we once were dead in our sins. Having forgiven us, he nailed our sins to the cross and made us alive with him. We have the spirit of God empowering us to live righteously. For him and not sinfully for ourselves. We are striving to change and be holy like Christ. This is the meaning of sanctification, which is God's will for us. 1 Thessalonians 4 3. As a result, the Father is glorified when we bear much fruit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control, and prove to be his disciples. John 15, 8. The fourth C is calling. As a result of being called into fellowship with Christ, we have a calling on our lives. Our goal as God's women is to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness, because godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And it is for this we labor and strive because we have fixed our hope on the living God. First Timothy 4, 7 through 10. Our fifth and final C is cultivate. A fruit of the spirit already mentioned is self-control or discipline. In order to be fruitful in the godly quality of discipline, we need to cultivate it, or in other words, foster its growth and develop it in our lives. So based on these characteristics of our union with Christ, let's take a deeper look at what it means to cultivate the godly quality of discipline because it impacts all aspects of our life, spiritual, mental, physical, emotional, and relational. Today, we will focus specifically on the spiritual disciplines because as Christians, that will funnel to all the other areas of life. For clarity, I'd like to uh, distinguish the difference between the character quality of being a disciplined woman and the practice of spiritual disciplines. So according to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the definition of discipline as a verb is to train or develop by instruction and exercise and to cause to acquire knowledge or skill. And the definition of its synonym, self-control, is restraint exercised over one's own impulses, emotions, or desires. According to Donald Whitney's book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, which I highly recommend reading, the following is a list of disciplines that Scripture commends. Studying the Bible, prayer, worship, evangelism, stewardship, fasting, silence, and solitude. Journaling, learning, and perseverance. So becoming a disciplined woman entails putting these practices, um, these spiritual practices into place. Practicing these disciplines are instrumental in becoming Christ-like. Donald Whitney explains in his book three primary catalysts to conformity to Christ or change agents. The first is people. The second circumstances, and the third, spiritual disciplines. People and circumstances, which we don't have control over, are mainly external. Those often relate to decision-making and disappointments, whereas spiritual disciplines are essentially internal and we have control of them. With consideration to the variety of spiritual disciplines, that I listed earlier, we need to prioritize implementing these godly practices into our lives. So how do we begin to be disciplined? I'd like to take us on a little tangent for a moment. The best basketball player ever, Kobe Bryant, had developed a motto popularly known as Mamba Mentality. How many of you are familiar with it? Kobe said, "Mamba mentality means to be able to constantly try to be the best version of yourself." We know as Christians, we are not trying to be the best version of ourselves. We are striving to be like Christ. So we need to maintain a godly mentality. Paul reminds us in Ephesians four twenty three, "Be renewed in the spirit of your minds." And then in 1 Corinthians 2:16, Paul tells us, "We have the mind of Christ." So based on the redemptive realities of our covenant relationship, we can clearly see that salvation and sanctification both involve the mind. So that's where we must start in becoming disciplined. Let's consider the influence of a godly mindset from an athletic perspective. Discipline is Greek for gymnasia. According to our calling to work out our salvation, we are like athletes that are exercising and training for Christ-likeness. Remember our definition uh, earlier for, for discipline, to train or develop by instruction and exercise. Those are all action terms. An athlete must be active. So please follow me as we look at a few passages to better explain this activeness of being disciplined. In 1 Peter 1.13, the word tells us, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. This implies being focused and steadfast with clarity of mind and being correctly in charge of priorities, not intoxicated. With various allurements of the world. In 2 Timothy 1.7, we read, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, of love, and self-control. We need to remember that we are enabled by the spirit of God with the power to have self-control and be disciplined, not be timid, lazy, or fearful. As we had read earlier from the intro passage from 2 Peter 1:10, um, therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. We must then apply ourselves by making every effort with diligence, practicing the things that will help us to be more disciplined. And in Ephesians 5:15 through 16, we are cautioned to look carefully than how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. We must walk intentionally. Walking is active. We must hold ourselves accountable to making the most of our time to please the Lord. As Jonathan Edwards stated in his fifth resolution, be resolved never to lose one moment of time, but improve it. The most profitable way I possibly can. So, now that we have an understanding of the mindset needed to approach the godly goal of being disciplined, let's look at some practical ways to implement it in our lives. While all the disciplines are essential, we will focus our time today on the top two, which is Bible study and prayer. So, let's explore why to study the Word of God. This is the most important discipline and transforming practice. God's word is in errands, without error. It is living and active, and it doesn't return void. But it accomplishes God's purposes. 1 Peter 1, through 3-7 tells us, through the knowledge of God, we have been granted all things that pertain to life and godliness, so we can partake in the divine nature. So we are to supplement self-control with knowledge. And knowledge is acquired by reading the word. Additionally, in Romans 12, 2, we are told, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may approve what the will of God is, that which is good and pleasing and perfect. The term transformed is how we get the English word metamorphosis, which means a change of physical form, structure, or substance by supernatural means We are to continually conform our redeemed inner nature outwardly. Our life flows from our mind to our heart and then our will. Your mind controls the affections and affections control the will. So what comes into your mind has an effect on your heart. And what's in your heart directs your actions and the steps you take in life. Essentially, if your mind is exposed to the word of God, it will set you on a drastically different course than if your mind is set on the things of this world. This is why Proverbs 3.5 tells us not to lean on our own understanding, but to acknowledge the Lord and he will make our path straight. The Lord expects us to read. Numerous times Jesus said, Have you not read? Have you not read? In Matthew 19.4. Think of the Lord asking you that every time you get lazy and don't feel like reading. So see, have you not read? There have been many instances in my life where I have felt weary, foolish, sorrowful, and confused. Can you relate? Well, we have a remedy for that. As Psalm 19 explains it, the word restores our soul. It makes The simple wise it causes the heart to rejoice and enlightens our eyes. Knowing all of those benefits, isn't it worthwhile to discipline our minds by marinating on the word? If there's ever a time when you just don't know what to read, can I just recommend that you run to Psalm 119? It's the longest psalm, but it's one of the most enriching. Psalm 119 explains the value of God's word. It is our trustworthy counselor, source of instruction, guidance, comfort, encouragement, revival. Acquiring wisdom and knowledge of truth is what shapes our entire inner person and impacts our actions, as we will learn more about dealing with decisions and disappointments from Vanessa and Arely. Studying the word of God strengthens our faith, because it reinforces the truth. We are forgetful and need constant reminders of God's way. How often in the scriptures do we see remember and listen? Isaiah 46, 3 and 9 says, listen to me, O house of Jacob, remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. And in Revelation 3, 3, so remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. The spiritual battle is real, sisters, and we need to be equipped to fight sin by putting on the whole armor, which includes the sword, the word of God. We treasure the word in our hearts so that we may not sin against the Lord. Psalm 119, 11. We need to know God's word in order to assault error with truth. In 1 Corinthians ten five, we are told to destroy speculations and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Knowing the word prepares you to respond to temptations. When Jesus was tempted to turn stones into bread, he responded by referencing scripture. Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Matthew 4, 4. And in Joshua 1, 8, We learn that meditating on the Word and being careful to do according to all that is written in it produces prosperity of soul and Christ-centered success. So how do we study? Let's look at a few simple practices to consider. Be intentional to make time to study. For example, begin by following a reading plan. You can start with 15 minutes every morning. Read to understand. If you don't have a study Bible, I highly suggest getting one today. Using a study Bible will help you dive deeper into better comprehending passages by referencing word definitions and commentaries. Some of the sweetest times I've had in the Bible are when I start by reading one particular passage and then end up on a rabbit trail of a million other related passages that can last hours just by reading the commentaries and reference notes in the study Bible. And then I pause and I have this aha moment. And I just, I thank the Lord for helping me to finally understand something. Find creative ways to study. Listen to audio while you are getting dressed, cooking, commuting, exercising. Join a study-based ministry like a small group, EWG. Meditation is key to studying. Meditate on a word, a phrase, a verse. As it says in James one twenty five, look intently at the perfect law. Engage with the text. Look for Christ's attributes. Identify action items to apply in your life. And be tender towards anything that convicts you so that you can repent and change. Learn to memorize scripture. Is your mind so saturated by the word that you think of a verse in everyday aspects of life? If not, then this may be a good time to challenge yourselves by memorizing verses. In Jeremiah 23, 29, we are told God's word is like fire. Donald Whitney says, when we apply the bellows of meditation to the fire of God's word, we see more light, insight, and understanding, and we feel more heat, passion for obedient action. If you want to get warm, you have to linger by the fire. Failure to linger is the reason why many fail to remember or find their hearts warmed by the fire of God's word. So kindle that fire, sisters, and don't let it burn out. For those of you who have been over to my place, you'll quickly notice something. I don't have a TV. It's true. I still love you even if you shame me. Um, and I'm just for the record, I'm I'm not, I'm not saying this, um, that TV is a bad thing, nor am I suggesting that you all get rid of your TVs. I appreciate Netflix and HGTV and cooking shows, but for me personally, I haven't had the urgency to get one, nor do I feel like I'm missing something because I know the struggle is real when it comes to time management and prioritizing my reading is important. So for the sake of not being distracted from reading, I just haven't gotten one. Let's transition to prayer and its value as a discipline. When we read the word, that is God speaking to us. When we pray, that is God, that is us speaking to God. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. John ten twenty seven. And in 1 Peter 3.12 tells us, for the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears attend to their prayer. Luke 5.16, we are told that Jesus would often slip away to desolate regions and pray. That example in itself demonstrates if our Lord made time to pray, then so must we. We are expected to pray. Matthew 6.5-7 repeatedly says, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray. And we hear uh, the Lord telling us in Matthew seven seven through uh, 7, 7 through eight, ask, seek, and knock. In Psalm sixty two eight, we are reminded that God is a refuge for us, and to pour out our hearts before Him. In First Thessalonians five seventeen, we are commanded to pray without ceasing. Hebrews four sixteen reminds us that we have a high priest who sympathizes with us. And he dispenses mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. So go to him. Do you have moments when you just don't know how to pray? Take heart, my friends, and find comfort in knowing that the Spirit is going to help. Romans 8, 26 through 27 says, The Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us according to To the will of God. So now that we have outlined some valuable reasons to pray, let's consider how to pray. Start by reading the word before praying so your prayers are informed and guided by God's will. John Piper says open the Bible, start reading it, and pause at every verse and turn it into a prayer. A book that helped grow my personal prayer life is another good one by Donald Whitney called Praying the Bible, and he states the Spirit of God will use the Word of God to help the people of God pray increasingly according to the will of God. And in that book, he also teaches us how to pray through the Psalms, especially when you are at a loss of words. The psalmists are very the Psalms are very relatable. He says within the breadth of 150 Psalms, you can find the entire range of human emotion, and, and it is true. Follow a prayer framework like the ACTS acrostic, which stands for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication as a way to guide you. Pray about everything with thanksgiving, Philippians 4:6. Ask in faith. And pray with the heart fully trusting God without doubting. James 1.6 Train your soul to bless the Lord and express to him your appreciation for all of his benefits, like David models in Psalm 103. And to inspire your own prayers, try reading hymns or other the prayers of others like Valley of Vision and Fount of Heaven are two books that have uh, that I have personally found very useful. I have the following lyrics from the hymn, May the Mind of Christ My Savior on my desk, and it prompts me often throughout the workday to pause and read and even pray. May the mind of Christ my Savior live in me from day to day by his love and power controlling all I do and say. May the word of God dwell richly in my heart from hour to hour so that all may see I triumph only through his power. So next time you come to a point in your walk where you feel you are lacking joy or things feel flat in your relationship with the Lord, please take a moment to examine your heart and ask yourself, have I sincerely spent quality time with my beloved through the disciplines of reading his word? And talking to him in prayer? You might be thinking, well, it's easier said than done. Being disciplined is tough. And it's true. It is. But we have no excuses because we can do all things, including being disciplined through Christ who strengthens us. To offer you some words of wisdom on training oneself to be more disciplined, our Pastor John MacArthur encourages to start with the small things. Here's a list of practical things that he suggests. Maintain an orderly environment. Set schedules and be on time. Read more. Wean off of entertainment. Keep your word. Do hard tasks first. Finish what you start. Practice self-denial or learn to say no and, and don't be impulsive. We can rejoice knowing there are rewards to be to bearing fruit of discipline. Some of these blessings for obedience include being useful and effective for every good work in Christ's kingdom, developing the mind of Christ so that we are prepared to discern and make decisions. We are strengthened with the ability to endure and face trials and disappointments and being equipped for discipleship to strengthen, encourage, build up one another. So going back to our athletic analogy, in 1 Corinthians 9.24, we are told to run in such a way that you may win. And in Hebrews 12.1-2 tells us, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Remember, the prize we are aiming for is likeness. We trust in the Lord. We keep pressing forward in faith. We discipline ourselves for godliness. We read and we pray diligently. We worship heaven's king. We obey heaven's law. We serve heaven's agenda. And we seek heaven's rewards. By the grace of God, we do it all for the glory of God, which ultimately leads to our own good. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Our hearts and our souls bless you. Thank you, Father, for the kind intention of your will. Thank you, Lord, um, for blessing us with every spiritual blessing. Father, we are um, so grateful, Lord, for the way that you have lavished your love upon us and the riches of your grace. Lord, we desire with our entire being to be like you. Give us a godly mentality. Father, we confess we fall short of being disciplined, Lord, and there is much, much room for growth. And Lord, we ask by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would um, motivate us, inspire us, um, enable us, and rekindle that fire in us by the power of your word um, to practice being disciplined. Lord, to the praise of your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.